Considering how well Jordan Montgomery has pitched this October, should the New York Mets be calling him in free agency this winter? We'll discuss that on today's show. You are Locked On Mets, your daily New York Mets podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello to all you Mays and Mets fans. You're listening to Locked On Mets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. Locked On Mets, free and available on all platforms, including YouTube. On the show today, I want to discuss Jordan Montgomery, who has been unbelievable for the Rangers in the playoffs so far. I'll talk about his start tonight in the ALCS in the first segment and sort of the lead up to it. Then the second segment, I want to go over his free agent case a little bit, compare him to the top of the market, which is Blake Snell, and why I like him a little bit more for the price. Uh, so we'll go through that in the second segment, also kind of comparing them to past free agents. Then in the final segment, I'll break down a couple other starting pitchers who will be in free agency that I believe could start a playoff game for the Mets in the coming years. Before we get to any of that, though, I'm your host, Ryan Finkelstein. If you want to find any of my work, follow me on Twitter at FinkelsteinRyan. You'll also find some of my writing at JustBaseball.com, where I work as the managing editor. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDMLB for $20 off your first purchase. Last-minute tickets, lowest price, guaranteed. Well, the ALCS began, and it was an incredible Game 1 as Jordan Montgomery went up against Justin Verlander, a pitching matchup that you would have thought the Astros had an edge in. But it was Jordan Montgomery that delivered the better performance, and it had me thinking, as a Mets fan watching the game, should the Mets be calling Jordan Montgomery this winter? This is the case of a guy who is just adding to his free agent stock with every single outing. I just wrote an article before hopping on recording this for Just Baseball about the start and about just Montgomery's sort of rise to be the Rangers' surprise ace through this playoff run and how his stock is rising in free agency as he goes through it because here was a guy that was set to make a good amount of money, right? He was going to make probably north of 15 million, maybe close to 20 million as a, a starting pitcher who over the last three years in particular has shown that he could take the ball for 30 starts. He can eat innings, you know, get you up to 170 plus innings this year, 188 and two thirds and, you know, pitch to a sub three, five ERA in 2021 ERA in the three eights. Last year, 3.48. This year, 3.20. So just a really good pitcher. But not necessarily an ace, right? And I don't think that he's still going to go into the market, no matter what he does to finish, being viewed as a bona fide ace, as a Blake Snell type that's out there. But also, what else would you want from him? Because on the biggest stage, this guy has absolutely delivered which is incredible because, again, it's not really what he was supposed to be. Mets fans, of course, we know Max Scherzer was supposed to be the Rangers' ace. It was supposed to be Max Scherzer versus Justin Verlander, game one of the ALCS. And while that would have been very poetic, it didn't end up that way because Scherzer went down, and now it seems like he might start game three, but he hasn't been available for the Rangers. Nathan Avaldi, who, funny enough, in some of the other podcasts I've been doing uh, you know, on, on Major League Baseball in general, 
for my show who's better you know i've been sort of looking into all these different teams and nathan avaldi getting hurt near the deadline opened them up to get two starters not one and that brought montgomery to them in a weird way and suddenly it's been montgomery and avaldi who have been the two co-aces for this rangers team and avaldi didn't pitch well in september so when it came time to pick a game one starter, the Texas Rangers put the ball in Montgomery's hands. Not something that any of us probably would have expected when that trade was made. It was thought, okay, he might start game three for the Rangers, but now, no, he was starting game one and he got that start because of that consistency. As I mentioned, 3-2-0 ERA in the season over nearly 190 innings pitched, but in 11 starts post deadline with the Rangers, he pitched to a 2-7-9 ERA. So, here you go, Montgomery. You get the ball on the biggest stage against the Tampa Bay Rays, who won 99 games and were playing at home. And what did he do? He set the tone for a Rangers team that has gone on a run since then. That game one, he went up against that Rays team and did not allow a run over seven innings. He was unbelievable. Made a diving catch on a, I can't remember, was that a bunt? I think it was a, was it a bunt or just a, a weekly hit ball off the bat. I think it was a bunt with like runners at the corners and Montgomery made a diving play on it. It was unbelievable. It just showed competitive fire that you love to see out of a guy in October. Now, Nathan Avaldi was great in game two. They advanced. They go to the ALDS against the Baltimore Orioles, who again were the favorite team having won 101 games and playing at home to start that series. And it was again, the Rangers that jumped out on them game one, it was a combination of Andrew Heaney, Dane Dunning, the bullpen. Game two, it was Montgomery. And look, he didn't pitch great in that game. Okay, gave up four runs, uh, four earned runs, five runs overall, four earned off nine hits, made it through four. But it was a slugfest of a game. You have to understand the circumstances. A great Orioles team, really good lineup, a raucous crowd in Baltimore that was just hoping that their team would stay in that series. And 19 runs were scored in the game. So he wasn't incredible, but... He still got them through four, which was important. They go on. They win that game. Avaldi is amazing. Pitching at home in Texas, their first playoff game, still their only home playoff game um, that they've had in this run. And that sets them up for this ALCS matchup. And then we get to what we saw tonight, where Jordan Montgomery is going up against a future first ballot Hall of Famer and the biggest dynasty this sport has had over the last decade, a team that has owned the Rangers division for really seven years now. There was one year where they didn't get it. It was 2020, but they've been to the ALCS seven straight times. And if they advance past the Rangers, they will have made it to the World Series five times in the seven-year span. They've been the team, and they have a lineup that has more playoff experience than any other that's left in this tournament by a wide margin. And here's Jordan Montgomery, who prior to a couple weeks ago had two playoff starts, one in 2020, the COVID year, uh, which I, if I remember correctly, there would have been no crowd pitching uh, in that game for the Yankees. And then the second one was last year as a Cardinal going up against the Phillies in a series where their backs were against the wall in a game two after Jose Quintana actually started game one. And they pulled him in the third inning because they were just kind of desperate. He didn't give up a run in that start. But here he was now, fast forward a year later, and he's pitching against that team in that spot in the LCS. And this guy was unbelievable tonight. Through the first two innings, there was a couple of good plays behind defensively, but did not have any serious threats. Then the third inning comes around, 
He walks Martin Maldonado, gives up a hit to Alex Bregman. So he ends up in a situation with two outs where he has to face Jordan Alvarez with two runners on. And Jordan has been as good as any hitter in baseball during the playoffs. And he did an amazing job against Alvarez. He stays away from him, but you know, gets him to swing at some pitches that are just outside of the zone to get ahead one and two. You know, Alvarez hung in there, spit on a couple pitches, loaded up a full count, fouled one off. And then he had yet to show him a curveball in the entire at bat. So what does he do? Three, two, couple runners on, Jordan's up, not going to let him beat him, but he throws a perfect curveball that Jordan swings through and he gets out of that jam. Then next inning, once again, he's trying to walk the tightrope. Okay. He gets the first two outs, then gives up three straight singles. So the bases are loaded. And Martin Maldonado comes back up to the plate. Now, you wonder, why did he walk him the previous inning? That guy's a light-hitting catcher. He bats ninth for the Astros. He's just there to you know, be you know, the personal catcher to Justin Verlander and the rest of that staff that just loves to pitch to him. Not really a threat. Well, then they put up his career numbers against Montgomery. A double and two home runs. He was three for four in his career. So a guy that he had struggled against. What does he do? Just blows him away. Just all heat. Uh, last pitch up in the zone, gets him to swing through it, escapes again with the strikeout. Then he retires the side in order in the fifth and the sixth and gets the first out of the seventh before they go to the bullpen. So now you're looking at him through three postseason starts, a 2.08 ERA and 17 and third innings pitch. And tonight it was six and a third scoreless, allowed five hits, no runs, six strikeouts, one walk, 90 pitches, 60 of them were strikes. From what I've seen so far, Outside of Yoshinobu Yamamoto, I don't know if there's a free agent starter. I want more than Jordan Montgomery, and I'll explain why next. First, though, today's episode is brought to you by Game Time. I don't know about you guys, but I am a big-time basketball fan, and the NBA season is here. I live in South Florida, so I'll be honest, guys. I'm a Heat fan, but I know there's a lot of Knicks fans, Nets fans out there that are listening to this show. If you want to go to a game and you're struggling to get tickets last minute, you need to go to game time because it's the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. And you're not going to find any better deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee. So you don't have to stress about the tickets. You know that you're going to get the best price out there with their game time guarantee, where if you find tickets in the same section or row for less game time, will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. You can see images of your seats before you arrive, so you know what to expect. You can kind of see your sight lines going into the game. You know you got great looks at the basketball game, the football game, whatever it is you're trying to go to, the concert. And you can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps, you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone, so you never have to dig through your email. You can snag tickets without the stress with Game Time by downloading the Game Time app, create an account, use the code LOCKDOWNMLB, you're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account, redeem the code LOCKDOWNMLB for $20 off. Download game time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Join the Locked On Mets Insiders where you get breaking news, the inside scoop, and exclusive content delivered directly to your phone, plus one-on-one conversations with me via text where I'll be free to answer any and all of your questions. All you have to do is find the link in the episode description today where you can go to subtext.com slash Mets. 
and a special thing to look forward to if you join today. I'm going to send out a subtext at 2 o'clock where I'm going to power rank the top starting pitchers as it relates to the New York Mets, guys that I would like to see the Mets sign in free agency. We're going to get into that a little bit today, but that text will be a little bit more in-depth with a longer list of names than the top of the market that we're going to discuss today. But let's go over that top of the market. And Blake Snell is clearly the top free agent starting pitcher. He's going to win the second Cy Young. He's coming off a year where he pitched to a 2.25 ERA, made 32 starts for the Padres, pitched 180 innings, was unbelievable, right? He's going to look at Carlos Rodon as a blueprint for what he's going to get in free agency. And there's a, a comparison to be made here between Blake Snell, Carlos Rodon, and Jordan Montgomery. All of them left-handed starting pitchers, all of them around the same age at free agency, 30 years old. So Snell's going to look at Rodon, who had a similar path to free agency in the sense that these are guys that have had some injury concerns, um, you know, and, you know, both of them really proved it right before they hit the market. For Rodon, it was 132 and two-third innings with the White Sox in 2021 on a prove-it deal when it was, you know, close to the point where he was just going to get let go by Chicago, and he was amazing, pitched to a 2-3-7 ERA, but then he got hurt at the end of the year. So he had to go back out and prove it again, signed, you know, the deal with the Giants. I believe there was, it was longer than a one-year deal, but there was the opt-out, obviously, where it was essentially a one-year prove-it deal, go out and then get your money in free agency the following offseason, and he did it. He pitched to a 2.88 ERA. He went 178 innings, struck out nearly 12 batters for nine, didn't walk many, was just great. And the Yankees signed him. Six-year deal, $162 million, $27 million per now, we saw the risk of that contract play out in year one as he made 14 starts this year, only pitched 64 in the third innings, and pitched to a 6.85 ERA. So, Mets fans, do you want them to sign Blake Snell when he's probably going to cost more than Rodon, where there's still some injury concern there? Guy throws hard. When we're seeing more and more guys who throw hard go down, Blake Snell is a great pitcher. Do not get me wrong, but I think he's going to want more than Rodon. So, to me, that means at least six years and maybe as much as $30 million. Let's just say, hey, he doesn't quite get there. Is 175 over six unrealistic for Blake Snell coming off a Cy Young? I don't think so, especially in this market where it's basically Blake Snell and Aaron Nola. And now Jordan Montgomery enters the fray with what he's done in October. And you look at Montgomery, right? He does not have this incredible career with all-stars and accolades and all that. But his last three seasons had just been dependable. 2021, 30 starts, nearly 160 innings. He goes 157 and a third. And the Yankees had a quick hook on him a lot. And the Cardinals, to a certain respect, did as well. Or maybe he didn't get to pitch as deep into games in those starts. 3.83 ERA. Last year, 3.48 ERA over nearly 180 innings. This year almost makes it to 190. It pitches to the 3.2 OERA, and now we're seeing him just dominate in October in the biggest possible games. And he's going to cost less. I almost make the comp with Jordan Montgomery as far as price tag to a guy that we're familiar with, right? Chris Bassett. So Chris Bassett had a similar regular season path as Montgomery did. Didn't have the stellar postseason, which I think is going to inflate this number for Montgomery, and that's sort of the delicate balance you have to look at here when it comes to signing him. How much is he going to get based on what he's doing right now? He goes out and he wins an LCS MVP and then he 
wins a uh, World Series MVP. I, I don't know what he's going to get. I mean, he's going to get Steven Strasburg money like he did in 2019 when he was dominant before free agency. I really don't know. But if you're looking at regular seasons, last three years, wow, it's actually spot on. 157 and a third in 2021 for Bassett in Oakland with a 315 ERA. The ERA was more in 2021 than Montgomery's. I guess that was the you know the two years before free agency. A year prior, that was the 2020 season. I guess you had to go back the 2019 for his his comp to 2021 for Montgomery. And that was a 381 ERA. So actually that is online. Um, again, I said the 2021 season, 315 ERA, 157 and a third. Then last year with the Mets, 181 and two third innings pitched, 342 ERA. He got $63 million over three years, $21 million per. I feel like with what Montgomery has done lately, that's sort of a baseline starting point. And I think he might not get too much more than that on an average annual basis, but Bassett was entering his age 34 season, Montgomery entering age 31. I think he's getting a couple more years on that. So I don't think it's crazy at all. I think he's going to get maybe $22 million per on a five-year deal. So call it $110 million over five. To me, if it's paying Jordan Montgomery $110 million over five years compared to Blake Snell, $175 million over six years, if there's any question which one's the guy to go after. And I think there is going to be at some point an acknowledgement of going after pitchers who aren't quite the the top-end velocity guys because maybe those are the guys that at least as starters you can count on to go every fifth day and to eat innings for you. And that's why I really like Jordan Montgomery as a free agent target for the Mets because I think he's someone that could be dependable for years and he might not always be uh, ace type like he's pitching in this season in October, but See a guy that you'll feel pretty good about handing the ball to in the playoffs in a game three over a five-year deal? I think he might be. So really, I mean, as this postseason continues, he's really shooting on my list. And the problem with that is every GM in baseball is seeing the same thing. And that's where the contract could balloon to a point where maybe it's not worth it. But he's definitely a guy that has to be monitored very closely through October because for one, he is a fit for the Mets, but two, it's just awesome to see a guy make a household name out of himself on the biggest stage with free agency coming. It really is just one of the best stories that we've seen in this postseason. There's other guys, though, who I think are interesting targets for the Mets. Uh, so I want to go through a couple more names that are going to be in this free agent class, one of them who is still pitching in October. Before we get to that, though, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. October baseball is back. You can make your postseason debut with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Join FanDuel today and you'll get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. Just visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to create your account and you can get in on all the action from the first pitch until the final out. Better than everything from strikeouts to home runs to who will win the game. Bryce Harper has been pretty hot. You think he's going to homer in the NLCS matchup against the Arizona Diamondbacks. That crowd in Philadelphia is ridiculous. As much as it's not fun to watch as a Mets fan, seeing them beat up on teams, I don't know. I feel like a lot of runs are going to be scored in that game. So maybe take the over tonight. Or, again, you could bet on individual players who might have success hitting home runs. You could bet on strikeouts if you want to look towards Zach Wheeler. I believe he'll be making the first start for the Phillies. Maybe he's going to hit the over on strikeouts against the Diamondbacks. And if you don't want to wait, 
until the end of the game to cash in, you can just predict what will happen in the next at bat with quick bets. So head on over to fanduel.com slash locked on right now to step up to the plate this postseason with $200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. Now, I alluded to it last segment. There's still a guy pitching in October who is an interesting free agent target for the Mets. It's a guy that comes into division, Aaron Nola. Aaron Nola will hit the market, and he's one of the best arms available. And I'll tell you what, what this guy has done in his career is pretty remarkable. Count him off. One, two, three, four, five. 200 strikeout seasons for this guy. The lone exception over the last six years is the 2020 campaign where he still struck out 96 in 12 starts. So it was clearly on pace to do it again if that was a full season. And you look at the ERAs, and they're a little bit inflated for Aaron Nola throughout his career this year. He pitched to a 4.46 ERA, gave up a lot of home runs. Last year, it was a 3.25 ERA. The year prior, 2021, it was a 4.63 ERA. But for his career, he's sitting at a 3.72 ERA, and he eats innings more than pretty much any starter that's going to be on the market sitting at a little over 1400 career innings pitched. That's not counting the postseason where he's adding on more right now, which would be a little bit concerning uh, just the mileage on his arm, but he's falling into that range of guys that doesn't top out at 97, 98. He's, he lives in the lower to mid nineties. And I, I do think again, there's going to be a premium or if not a premium, maybe, just a focus that's going to start to get drawn to some of these guys as maybe the arms to target who won't be as susceptible to injuries. Now that's just me speculating and that's not necessarily based on on anything solid just yet. Maybe it's just my own personal mindset on what I would go after. But I look at like the Mets signing Jose Quintana and it's funny because he actually missed the start of the season, but it was a rib injury. I just feel like that type of pitcher is going to start to get more value. The guys that can get out without topping out. And obviously Quintana is a little bit of an older test case, but Aaron Nola, it's going to be fascinating to see what happens to in free agency. I don't think it's necessarily a fit because for one, I don't know if he's going to go from Philly to the Mets Two, I, for some reason am picturing him actually going to the team he's about to pitch against, which is the Diamondbacks. Cause he just feels like, the type of free agent they go after, I picture Zach Greinke, Madison Bumgarner at that stage of their career where they were set to get the big contract and maybe their team that they established their name with isn't going to give it to them. And I just see him ending up in Arizona and actually getting some really inflated stats in that ballpark over the next couple of years. But he's obviously interesting. Um, he's a guy that you can hand the ball to in a playoff game. And I think that's the sort of ballpark I was looking for when I was going through all these guys. That was you know the the expectation I was trying to set in my head of all right, who can the Mets target? Who would get to the point where if the Mets aren't a wild card round next year, you're happy if they're taking the ball in a game one, two, or three. And Nola fit that bill. Montgomery fit that bill. Snell fit that bill. But I think price on Nola and Snell might be a little bit more than it's worth compared to a Montgomery. I also love Yoshinobu Yamamoto as an option for the Mets. And that's still, I think, the, the target that 
should get most of their attention. But we'll see. A couple other guys just to note. Sonny Gray. He proved this year he can pitch in October. Was part of the Twins run this season. And, you know, threw the ball really well, I think, overall. I mean, you look at an ERA of four, but he was good in those games. So I, I think Sonny Gray is interesting. The problem is he was awful in New York with the Yankees. And so I would just be shocked if after his experience in New York, then finding success again with the Reds and the Twins. I mean, in his career, it's been great success in Oakland, great success in Cincinnati, great success in Minnesota, horrible run with the Yankees. Is he really going to want to pitch in New York as a free agent? Just don't see it. So now you knock him off the list. And that's where you understand how thin this free agent class really is if you're trying to add impact starting pitching. So you land out a blueprint, Yamamoto and Montgomery, that might be the perfect one-two punch the Mets could add if they're serious about trying to make the playoffs next year. I also think there's a good chance they'll go out and make a trade. The last name I wanted to note, though, is Eduardo Rodriguez. Now, what fascinates me about Erod is, for one, he had a good season. 3.30 ERA, pitched 152 and two-third innings pitched. Actually has been better at staying durable and eating innings throughout his career than some of these other guys we discussed. When you look at Snell and Montgomery, those guys have not crossed the 1,000-inning threshold. Erod has, 1,100 innings. Uh, and, and the guy that has some postseason experience, albeit not great with Boston. I'm curious because he's the guy that refused to go to the Dodgers this year. They really could have used Erod in the playoffs. They got bounced by the Diamondbacks because they had a lack of starting pitching. Remember, they tried to get Eduardo Rodriguez, and he used his no-trade clause that was, I think, limited to 10 teams. Exercised it because he wanted to get a year tacked on. I think he wanted... I think he wanted to pick up his option and have years tacked onto it or something. I don't, I don't remember off the top of my head the exact details, but there were some financial aspects of that. Um, I wonder how that's going to impact him in free agency because the optics of refusing to go to a contender and to pitch out the rest of your season with a bottom-dwelling Tigers team, how much is that going to make teams willing to work with them in negotiations? So he's a guy whose price tag could come a little bit lower than maybe – what he deserves based on the year he had. And that's why I look at him as kind of attractive, especially because if you're just projecting forward and let's say it is Yamamoto, the Mets sign and Montgomery gets a huge deal somewhere else. If you could settle on Erod and he's your number three in a rotation with Sanga Yamamoto, I think that would be a nice middle ground to find. So he was just an interesting name to note. I should also say that Marcus Stroman is technically a starting pitcher, pitcher, that will be available in free agency who would be good enough to start a playoff game, but I just don't think that reunion is ever going to happen. So uh, I'll leave you on that one. It's going to be all for today's show. If you want to see that list, the power ranking of the starting pitchers on this, this in this market, I'm going to go to top 15. So more names that I mentioned on today's show, join the locked on Mets insiders. You'll get breaking news, the inside scoop and exclusive content delivered directly to your phone with one-on-one conversation with me via text by going to subtext.com slash locked on Mets or by clicking the link in today's episode description. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Finkelstein Ryan, the show at Locked On Mets. Thank you for making Locked On Mets your first listen every day. And for the rest of this week, I think I'll end the show the same way. Go Diamondbacks.